Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And a very warm welcome to you today to Calvary Church. Today, I'm part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's on this glorious Easter Sunday, uh, the uh, central point of the entire Christian faith. This is a glorious day. The music was amazing so far, and uh, uh, my vestments are great. And um, uh, But there's a big difference between our celebration of Easter here and that of those who experienced Easter for the first time at the tomb. We've come this morning fully expecting that we will not find things still shrouded in darkness or in death as they were when we left this place on Good Friday. I mean, I literally, for the last, for 50 days at least, have been pining to eat peeps and and shout hallelujah, the Lord is risen from the top of my lungs. It's the little things that keep me going like peeps. But anyway, that's supposed to be funny. But anyway, um, but the first Easter day was different. These women, they went to the tomb on that morning, and they were disappointed. They were really disappointed. They were fully expecting to find nothing but the body of Jesus there, the one who they had come to know and love as rabbi and Lord. Still, they expected him to be there shrouded in Joseph of Arimathea's linen in his tomb, right where they had seen him last. They were disappointed. And unfortunately, I think this is what people have come to expect even today when they experience Christianity, especially in this country. A whole lot of disappointment. I mean, maybe you were told that Christianity was a self-improvement plan. It seems to be working great for Justin Bieber, but it's not going well for you. Or maybe your life is great. What do I need Christianity for? You know, but I mean, you go to the Barnes & Noble at Union Square, and there's no difference between that and the self-help section. But no matter, maybe you're the person, no matter what you've done, you tried Christianity, and God didn't seem to hear any of your prayers. And you still find yourself in that same old outcome. You or someone you know mixed Christianity up with a certain conservative or progressive political ideology. And it's really let you down. Or maybe you have an Uncle Roy who's a real holy roller and at the same time is a real hypocrite at the same time. And so you think to yourself, man, I don't want to be a part of that. Whatever it is, there's lots of things, but Christianity has disappointed you. Unfortunately, though, a lot of what one sees that passes as Christianity today has very little to do with the gospel anymore has very little to do with what Easter is about at all. The death and resurrection of Jesus to forgive and justify sinners before a holy God. And as a result, what has happened is that Christianity has been stripped of its powerful message. And hence, people have called the entire faith into question. We've attempted to deconstruct God And profoundly, from our end, that is the whole point of what the cross is about on Good Friday. 
our attempts to deconstruct God and answer Pilate's question, what is truth? Or maybe now just to pose it over and over and over and over again. Charles Taylor, in his book, The Secular Age, makes the astute observation that authenticity is the primary virtue of our society right now. And so to be authentic in unbelief and doubt is actually more virtuous than what would appear to be an unauthentic belief or faith. And the fruit of authentic doubt It's been going on for a while is what philosophers call deconstruction. This really began with Derrida in the 60s, but it had been building for a while, and it's really in full bloom right now. And what you see is that deconstruction ultimately has not eliminated belief, but it has made belief itself unbelievable. And so you look in our society today, and the heroes are the cynics with their creed, Do you really believe that? Do you? And this is my first point. The goal of deconstruction is to eliminate things that are false or inauthentic. And I am all for that. However, in our pursuit for truth, we have found ourselves without questioning everything. And we found ourselves without an anchor to hold us steady when the real disappointments of life come, when real tragedies make their way, and they befall us all. And because Christianity is just simply a self-help program or a political ideology, well then, count me out. And so what's happened is, is that the only thing that we're left with is our cynicism. So just for a moment... Just for a moment, let's drop all the flowers. Let's drop the trumpet fanfares. And most importantly, let's drop my amazing vestments just for a moment. And let's approach the tomb today like those women. Think about your disappointment and let's approach it those disappointments that come with life. Let's approach that tomb with all of our doubts, all of our unbelief. But let's leave our cynicism aside. Just for right now, let's you and I approach the tomb and be startled by the truth that dead people don't rise from the grave except for one. Jesus of Nazareth. Let's approach that tomb and let's be terrified because that's what happened when people encountered angels in the Bible. It wasn't like, hey, that's cool. They were terrified. Like those women, let's be terrified as we have this supernatural encounter with an angel. And just like the angel tells them, he tells all of us, You who are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has been raised. He's not here. He's been what? 
He's not here? What essentially this means is that you're at the right tomb. You're right where they laid him. However, he's been risen. He's been raised. Excuse me. But the angel doesn't stop there, does he? The angel goes on to give them a very powerful word to combat the cynicism of life. The angel gives them a powerful balm to confront them in the midst of their tragedy and disappointment. He gives them the truth when he says, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Let me repeat that. Just as he told you. Three times in Mark's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples that they were going to Jerusalem where he, the Son of Man, would be handed over to sinful men and be killed. And each time Jesus adds, and on the third day I will rise again. That's one thing to hear it in passing, isn't it? It's another thing, though, to see a beaten, crucified, laid dead in a tomb Messiah. That wasn't what the disciples were hoping for. And maybe for you, God hasn't answered the prayers the way you hoped for. Maybe there was a relationship that you thought was going to work out, and it didn't. Maybe you got into a relationship that you thought was going to answer all of your dreams, and it backfired. Maybe you're in a job that you pray every day, God, deliver me from this, and it doesn't happen. Or maybe you're like, God, get me a job and deliver me from this, and it doesn't happen the way you thought. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way we wanted him to. If you're like me, sometimes God doesn't work the way we hoped but it doesn't change the fact that he has risen. Because that's how he works. He's risen from the dead. And he's gone ahead of you just as he told you. And this is my second point. In an age where we are constantly posing the same question, what is truth? Just like Pilate let me proclaim to you this morning that you can rely on, you can rest your entire life on Jesus' words. Jesus said he will rise from the dead and he is risen from the dead. Jesus says he is going before you and you can bet the farm that he has. And in a moment, he's going to invite you around his table so that you might feast on the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood. And this is significant in our gospel reading because the angel speaks specifically of Peter and tell Peter, tell the one who abandoned Jesus. If Jesus says he is forgiving and restoring those like Peter, if Jesus says he is forgiving and restoring those like you and me, who have let Jesus and so many other people down, that deconstruction is the only thing we have left to defend ourselves with? Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right place today, brothers and sisters, because you can trust 
because he is the truth that the resurrected Lord in his gospel will and has forgiven all of your sins. And by his perfect life, death, and resurrection declared you already the righteousness of God. The resurrection, let me tell you, just it validates everything Jesus has said and done. The resurrection validates Christianity. For without the resurrection, we should close this place up and get in line for brunch now and deconstruct everything, including the eggs benedict. I mean, seriously. Let me just tell you, I am not in this because it's helpful. I am not in this because I'm into interesting poetic metaphor. I am in this because it is true. And so ultimately in the gospel, what God does on Easter, what God does through the resurrection of Jesus is deconstruct all of us. God tears down our pride and this notion that we can save or fix our situation or save and fix others. The resurrection deconstructs our attempts at finding righteousness through our own merit and that we ourselves are also God who are climbing the ladder of life to someday meet an equal. The resurrection deconstructs all of that. But unlike the world and its hollow philosophy, God will not leave you deconstructed. Rather, the promise of the gospel is that he has, is, and will build us back up. And oftentimes that building back up comes through pain, it comes through frustration, and it comes through real disappointment. But the promise nonetheless is true. As St. Paul writes, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, the old is gone. Behold, the new. And where I am standing, this is a glorious sight. To be a new creation, though, it can lead to the same feelings those women experienced at the empty tomb. I mean, you want to talk about giving validity to the text. If it was made up, they would have skipped off singing Happy Easter morning. But they left in terror and amazement. Terror and amazement when you realize that God has really set you free from your burdens and has forgiven your sin. Terror and amazement when you realize the question to ask is no longer what must I do for God? But what do I want to do? What is God doing through me? Terror and amazement when you realize that God has rolled away the stone from the grave that did await you and I. And terror and amazement when you realize that you can finally quit performing for God and just trust in his amazing Amazing grace. This is my third point. This is what Christianity is all about. This 
is what Easter is all about. This is the good news of the gospel. And while it will, why, and while it will deconstruct you, it won't leave you there. Our Lord will not leave you in the tomb. Rather, God, by his Holy Spirit, will, like the first disciples, take you back to Galilee. Why does it end that way? Well, it's because Mark begins in Galilee. And he'll take you back to Galilee. And God himself will build you up. God himself will make you new with the good news that God in Christ loves you. God in Christ has forgiven you. And when it comes to God, the only thing left to do is enjoy his grace and forgiveness until he comes again for you. And so with terror and amazement, we might just realize what it is to be made whole. We might just realize for a few brief seconds what it is to be truly human and actually free. God bless you, and happy Easter. The Lord is risen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.